Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. I'm Jackson Michael. With me today is TJ Troop. He writes great football history articles for Pro Football Journal. Really, the only blog that I would direct you towards besides the game before the money for that level of in-depth historical knowledge on a website. One of the few websites. There are a couple others, but Pro Football Journal is great. Happy to have TJ Troop with us. He's often affectionately known as Coach TJ. He and I have known each other about a year or so, maybe two, but our history goes back all the way to 2015 when the show Marketplace had us both on for a piece they were doing about Frank Gifford. And normally, I only have as guests former players, coaches, and execs, but I thought it would be great to have Coach TJ on the show. He wanted to talk about Charlie Trippy. I always love talking about Charlie Trippy. Got to speak with Upton Bell for episode 75 of the Game Before the Money podcast about his memories of Charlie Trippy, and now getting to speak with Coach TJ about his great research on Charlie Trippy. Coach TJ was also a good friend of Steve Sable of NFL Films. You'll hear a reference or two regarding Steve Sable in this interview. And it's a really good dive into the great Charlie Trippy, his career, and the NFL at that time. And now here's Coach TJ Troop. What would you say the first things for people to know about Charlie Trippy if they're not familiar with him? Well, the fact that he had such a versatile career and was uh, basically the last remaining Cardinal from their championship team when he was a rookie in 47 till his final year in 1955. So he was the last guy from the 47 and 48 teams that were in the NFL championship game? Yeah, they were well coached in right place, right time, and had a very talented team um, that started to come about in 46. But going into 47, there was no doubt they were going to be a factor in the race. Um, Joe Zimba's book really covers that well. And Trippy comes in as, as a rookie in um, 47, I believe, although he was the first pick in the 45 draft. He had, a, he had an extra year at Georgia. And that really, right. sh- yeah, that, that really shows a difference back then. So he's a little older, but there were other men in that era that were a little older. He was in the military. He did not fight overseas. He was playing football in uh, the camp he was at. But he had one of those strange college military careers where he kept showing up in college all-star games. And everybody knew. I mean, he was a great player at Georgia. When he got picked in the draft at 45, they just worked it out where he wouldn't show up till 47. And he, he signed, he chose the Cardinals over the AAFC that had just popped up. And he ended up with a, a $100,000 contract, which was a record for the time. And the fact that the uh, Chicago Cardinals would, in that era would never have been um, accused of being a rich team. So 
Cardinal management and Jimmy Conselman, they knew what they wanted and they got it. And of course, they're a T formation team by this time. But even in T formation days, the left halfback is still the key man of the offense other than the quarterback. And that's what Trippy was, the left halfback. Of course, he plays other positions, which I'm sure we'll discuss in this conversation. Yeah, let's first, you know, you mentioned Jimmy Consulman, who, who was the head coach of the Cardinals. Um, can you get into some background about him and, and, and then what kind of his philosophy offensively was? Well, you mentioned that T formation. Yeah, he was um, a really interesting man with his pursuits off the field. And, you know, when you, if you hit, folks have the time to look up all the other things he did, but. He was a fine player when he played, and he was very astute. And, of course, one of the keys anytime you're building a team is you have to be able to evaluate talent. So he brought in a handful of linemen. He had, the, he had a quarterback. He had the fullback. I mean, they were called, in essence, the first million-dollar backfield. I'm not so sure we can use that term in the 40s. But Konzelman... He knew what he wanted to do offensively and defensively, and they had talent and they had depth. They even survived um, two different players dying at, at a young age during his time with the team. Though the 47 team goes 9-3 and three and wins, well, them and the Bears are both 8-3 and three on the last day of the season when the Cardinals beat them. So the Cardinals finish 9-3, and three, and of course in the championship game, Trippy scores twice, once on a on a running play and once on a pump return. And the field is frozen. He's in gym shoes. He actually goes down on one knee at one point on the return. And though I, we would never say he had great speed, he, he could accelerate and he got away and he scored. And those were two of the key plays in the Cardinals' uh, only, in essence, only championship team. I mean, I guess we could call them NFC champions for going to the Super Bowl, but they're only uh, true champion. And then 48, um, in a discussion with Steve Sable years ago, I am convinced that the 1948 Bears are one of the three best second-place teams of all time. So if they're the second-place team, what does that tell you about the first-place team? So as good as the Cardinals were in 47, they were even better in 48, and Trippy, my God, well, I'll, I'll hit some of the numbers. That the card, that Cardinal team in 48 averaged 213 yards a game rushing. In one game against Green Bay, they ran the ball 70 times. Trippy led the league in uh, average per carry at 5.9, and he was a distant second to Van Buren in rushing yards. He had 690. He caught the ball well. He had 22 catches. He returned some kicks. He was the all-purpose yardage guy with 1,485, and he scored 10 touchdowns. So they were they got the ball. The Cardinals got the ball to all their talented guys. But in essence, Trippy is still the main focus of the offense. So they you know returned to the title game, and in that snowstorm they, uh, in Philadelphia, they lose to the Eagles. And then the next year in 49, they're 6-5-1. And, and, of course, that's the crazy year where the Bears and the Rams, the Bears are 3-3 three and three and the Rams are 6-0. and oh. And it looks like it's a foregone conclusion. But down the stretch, the Rams stumble and the Bears 
go undefeated. So on the last day of the season, the Cardinals are playing the Bears, and it's a muddy field, and Lou Jack sets the record, throws for, I think it's 468 yards passing. That's exactly what it was, yes. But the crazy part about that game is, and it's never discussed, and I just got done watching the film about an hour ago, Charlie Trippy has his only 100-yard receiving game in that game. He has eight catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns, and they're different routes, and he... I mean, it's a muddy day. I don't know if there were any drops, but he caught the ball really well. And uh, again, he leads the league in all-purpose yardage, and it's even better, 1,552. He had 34 catches, and after his first three years in the league, he's carried the ball 323 times for 1,644 yards. He's already averaging over five yards a carry. And he returned some kicks in this era. That's why he's the all-purpose guy. But they had other excellent kick return men. So he, and he hasn't thrown the ball much, but we'll get to that when we get to the 50s. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, here's, here's the other thing. A couple of things that I think are important to bring out is, um, you know, the number of games. When people hear these stats, to put it in perspective, the number of games that they were playing in those days versus today were, were much shorter. That was the 10, 12 game uh, regular right. seasons. Right. So, yeah, if you divide it out, 1,552 all purpose yards divided by 12, that's pretty good. As we go into the 50s, when I, and I, I, I found a, uh, a quote from a guy who described Trippy as the quintuple threat. I thought that was pretty unique. Never, <laughs> put I, triple like, threat to I, bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we put the triple threat, the quintuple threat. So in 1950, and I wrote a, um, a write-up on the 1950 Cardinals at the Pro Football Journal. They were a strange team in that they're 5-7, and seven, and on their best days, they really played some good football. But they also struggle. And you can see, when I watch film of them, their defense, they just don't have the guys. They, they're they in a strange alignment. They don't, they're not very strong in defending the run. So I, they're a below-average defense. And Trippy plays almost no defense in those first few years. In, you know, once in a while, if they needed him. But he, and he returned some punts and kickoffs, but he had a decent year running the ball. Gained 426 rushing, and again, he had 32 catches. So he's in this era, he caught 34 passes in 1949, and he caught 32 in 1950. So here's a guy who's viewed as a running back, but he actually, and again, you had mentioned 12-game seasons. That's pretty good. And I'm not talking about little dump-offs. I mean, one year he had 412 yards receiving. So... When they have the initial Pro Bowl after the 1950 season, he is not selected. So, I mean, it's a, it's a drop-off season. I know one little fact about the Cardinals' 1950 season, and that's in Week 2, they had the unfortunate scheduling of having to play the Eagles after the Eagles had been embarrassed by the Browns. And right. Jim Hardy ends up setting the single-game interception record for a quarterback, the Cardinals quarterback. Right. 
But then the next week he goes out and I think he he threw six, five or six touchdowns the next week. Yeah, Bob, I detailed that. It was on Steve Sable's birthday, October the 2nd. It's a Monday night game, and uh, the Colts were dead. Colt team should have never have been taken out of the AAFC and put in the NFL. There are stories on them, and I have enough footage on them to evaluate. And anybody who would watch it would go, how could they have been asked? I mean, I understand why San Francisco and Cleveland were asked. They were quality, but the Colts weren't. So the Cardinals went on, they just shredded them. And Bob Shaw was part of a tremendous trade that helped both the Rams and the Cardinals. And he just, he gets open on every route, and Hardy gets them the ball and five touchdowns. Uh, I should add, Bob Shaw caught four touchdown passes his last game of the season in 1949 with the Rams to tie the record. Not not bad. But again, going back to Charlie Trippi, in 1950, I mean, it's a solid year, but no one would view him at, in the upper echelon of the league. But 1951, the guy just has an amazing season. He throws... Two 80-yard touchdown passes. All of a sudden, the Cardinals. Chrisman goes to Green Bay. They they try a couple of other guys. But basically, when in doubt, in 1951, Trippy becomes a T-formation or a spread-formation quarterback. And he has, he averages 6.4 yards a carry and gains 501 yards. He throws two 80-yard touchdown passes. And the last day of the season... He gains over 100 passing and basically running from spread formation against the Bears. In a game the Bears absolutely have to have it, he gains 145 yards rushing on 13 carries. And I, I, while I don't have the complete game, there's a handful of... I mean, he's bouncing off Bear guy, and the Bears are 7-4 and four going in the game. If they win this game, they tie for the division title. So Trippy again, has a terrific game against the Bears. But a game I do have the complete game, he's going against the defending world champion Browns on December the 2nd. And they get beat 49-28. to 28. So again, the Cardinal defense doesn't play well. He plays quarterback. He throws three touchdown passes against the Browns. He's 11-20 for 147 yards. So when they picked the Pro Bowl roster for 1951, I mean, this man deserved to go. He wasn't selected. That's really surprising. And, you know, when you're you know bringing these games up where Charlie Trippi is now the quarterback, I mean, it sounds like a lot of today's quarterbacks, games like the Jalen Hurts might have or games that like Josh, Josh Allen might have. Yeah. They list him at 6'183". Okay. It, it looks like he could be that, and I won't call him exceptionally fast. He doesn't really make a lot of fake moves, though so he moves well, but he almost anticipates where a defender is, so he cuts back against the grain, he bounces off guys, he's very quick, and he can accelerate. So when he's in the spread, and there's a game in 51 against the Rams, and he'll have another one in 53, He's back 10, 12 yards. He gets the snap, looks over the defense, and if there's a hole in the middle, he just takes off and goes right up the middle. And I saw Hurts do that for the Eagles a couple of weeks back, and I go, hey, so that'll work if you can see it. So he, I'm not sure that 
that was in the initial planning of the Chicago Cardinals in 51 to have him be the quarterback. I'm sure they thought they could have somebody, but he was the best they had. And while he was not a great passer, he sure was better than some in the league. And again, he does is not selected for the Pro Bowl. So he comes back in 52, and the Cardinals, are, they're, they're getting worse. They're not getting better. They're 4-8. and eight. He starts 10 games at quarterback, and on October the 5th, they beat the Bears. And in that game, Matson, rookie Ali Matson, has just a tremendous game. But late in the game, Trippy again to the Bears, puts him away, He's back there in the spread, and he gets the snap, and he takes off, and he scores on a 59-yard touchdown run. And watching the film of him, the bear pursuit can't gain on him. And I'm thinking, well, nobody says he's really that fast. I go, he's looking pretty good here. (laughs) But that year, that year he does make the Pro Bowl. So he doesn't make it in 51 with this great season. And he has a good year in 52, but he is chosen for the Pro Bowl. Then where I'm really going to go into one Imagine this, Michael. It's You've been on a team now since 1947. You've been a champion. You've been a league leader. You're a tough guy. You'll do anything to help your team. And you're going to play on a team in 1953 that after 11 games has zero wins, 10 losses, and a tie. Well, that's rough. Yeah. You can imagine the attitude. And when you look at that Cardinal roster in 53, and in Steve Sable's fabulous 50 segment, when he interviews Pat Summerall and some of the other guys around the Cardinals, they'd be the first to tell you they just did not have that that talented of a team. So on November 15th, they're playing the Rams, and they tie them 24-24. On the fateful drive of the game for the Cardinals to tie a powerful Ram team, he goes seven for seven passing. And he takes them down the field. Now, none of them are long throws. He gains 117 yards passing. And he runs from spread 15 times for 96 yards. Wow. I mean, it's just, and they tied. So going into that last game of the season, the only game they haven't lost is where Trippy literally carried them to victory in the touchdown pass that he did throw to tie the game to Don Paul. Don Paul comes out of the backfield and runs the circle route. And Trippy, I mean, he doesn't have a powerful arm, but that ball was like a laser. And it's under the goalpost. Don Paul makes the catch. They tie the Rams. I think that's a good time to point out, you know, Charlie Trippy wasn't just a football player. He was an all-around athlete. You know, he played professional baseball. And hit over 300. And hit over 300. And don't quote me on this, even though, it, you know, this is recorded and everything. But I think he might have played third base. So he had to have a pretty good arm to throw. So, you know, right. accuracy, getting the ball in there. It doesn't have to right. be staying with baseball a little bit for a second. You know, Koufax, the story is he became a better pitcher once he eased off a little bit and realized he didn't have to throw hard every single time. So... Um, you know, it's not necessarily how hard you throw, it's it's where you place it. Amen. Well, no one would mistake Charlie Trippy's arm for Norm Van Brocklin or Wyatt Tittle. I mean, those guys could just zip the ball in there. But like I say, when I'm watching on film, I don't see defensive backs 
cutting across in front of receivers and making plays on the ball. It's pretty accurate. So that last day of 53, they beat the Bears. Now, that Bear team is not very good, but they get a victory on the last day of the season. But this is the part that amazes me about him and why there's not been more written about him. In 1953, and he had punted before, He punted, and they shared there were other guys who punted for the team that year. He punted 54 times for a 42.9 average, but he led the league in punt returns. Now, he had returned punts before, and his lifetime punt return average was 13.7, which is excellent. Now, this year, it's 11.4. But watching some footage of him returning punts that year, the ball's in the air. He times it. He grabs it. He just takes off straight ahead. I mean, there's no deviation. There's no left, right. He just goes straight up. It cuts left or right and gets whatever he can get. And a couple of times he pops through. So, again, in 53 with a team that goes 1-10-1, and he earns a Pro Bowl berth. And finally, 1954. Now, he does... Very little on offense. They've got other guys. Lamar McCann is now the quarterback. Matson's back from the Army. It's it's pretty much, they don't know what to do with him. Well, Steidahar has made the trade and gotten Night Train Lane from the Rams. And, of course, when I wrote my book on the decade of the 50s, I charted who started and who played what positions and what games. At the beginning of 1954, the night train is playing right safety, and he's playing well. Well, the Cardinals, and there's a handful of guys, I don't remember all their names, but there were a couple of times the Cardinals would have a guy start at left corner, and after one game, they would release him. Wow. That should tell you a lot, yeah. The revolving door of the Chicago Cardinals. Yeah, they just don't have the talent. I mean, they've got a handful of guys. But they have Ollie Matson and Night Train Lane on this team. And a, and a handful of linemen that actually can play. Jennings and Simmons are pretty solid. Defensively, they're just not all that strong. But at least in the secondary, all of a sudden, the Night Train's playing left safety. And the second half of 1954, he goes to where he belonged. He's back to playing corner. But now he's the left corner. And at times, Ollie Matson will come in and play left safety. Well, there's this gaping hole. Who plays right safety now? Charlie Trippy starts the last six games of the season in 1954 at right safety and records three interceptions. And he's not a killer tackler, but he's a tough guy. He comes up, makes the tackle. He's on the field. So at one point in 54, the Cardinals have... Night Train Lane, Ollie Matson, and Charlie Trippy playing in the secondary. That's incredible. That's three Hall of Famers, two of them known for their offense. Uh, but that just shows you that the guys were willing, one, they were all-around athletes, and two, they were willing to do whatever to help that team. Exactly. So, um, and you had brought earlier, you had asked me about Consulman. The other part for Trippy is... In his career, he has Konzelman for 47 and 48. Then, of course, there's the craziness in 49. At the beginning, there's co-coaches. But Handler drops out pretty quickly, and Buddy Parker 
basically is the coach of the Cardinals at 49. Then Curly Lambeau comes in for 50 and 51. Well, that's not going to work. He's having his issues. And then they bring in Kuharik for 52. And believe me, that did not work. Management and ownership and the bid well, it just, it's not going well. So then Steidekar comes in for 53 and 54, but it's pretty tough to keep a coach when he goes 110 and 1. So his last year in 1955, he had some injuries. He's older now. He plays very sparingly. But they actually have a decent coach in Ray Richards. So he played for six different coaches in his career. And again, no one ever talks about that. Every coach is going to have his own philosophy in the plays they want to run. But Charlie just shows up and does his job, and he sure did his job well. And how many years did did he play? Six coaches? Well, if we count 55, he played nine. So six coaches in nine nine seasons. And he he played more than six, or he played about six positions at the same right. time. So right. definitely and, something uh, that, that people overlook about his Hall of Fame career. Right. And one of the aspects, and of course this always has meaning to me being a former coach, is how he's aligned and used. So I'm why he's the left halfback. Okay, he goes in motion. They have him take a step forward and he goes in motion to the right, he runs a pass pattern. They give him the ball, he sweeps right. They run a counter play, he carries the ball. But I'll see um, a smaller back in the game for the Cardinals at left halfback. And then the next play, Trippy's back at left halfback, and they give the ball to the fullback on the classic fullback slant off left tackle. Trippy, I mean, I, I never saw him devastate any defender. He had excellent technique. He was a terrific blocker. He goes right into the guy, blocks him off. The guy never makes the tackle, and the fullback gains yards. Then the next play, they widen the left end out, and Charlie is the slot back and runs a pass route. Again, it goes back to, well, we're going to run this play. Well, who do we put as substitute in the game? Well, we don't. We only got 33 guys on the team. Just put Trippy at that spot. He can be in the slot. He can block. He can go in motion. He can carry the ball. We put him in spread formation quarterback. We need somebody to return punts. Well, send Charlie back there. I bet if they asked him to, he'd have driven the team bus. <laughs> they may have, and we just don't have a stat for that. <laughs> you know, Charlie Trippy, not only an incredible player, but off the field, just a, a tremendous guy. And um, I'm only positive, absolutely, Michael. Only positives are said. Being the the man who loves watching the old vintage film, and especially guys that play hard and had technique and, and were versatile. I just think the guy was the greatest. And, of course, he passed away earlier. Next week, he would have been 101. He lived to be 100. I would have loved to have sat down with him way back when, when I first started in my coaching career and put film on and had Charlie sit there and tell me what was going on and stories about the team. That would have been something. Well, I did uh, did get to chat with him for the book, The Game Before the Money. And... um, I remember calling him up and uh, just just salt of the earth kind of guy. And he's one of those guys historically where as far as the pinnacle of his career in terms of team success came at the beginning of his career 
which is interesting. Those Cardinal teams were great, but they would not have been as great. And likely, you know, I don't know, what, what is your take? Would they have been able to make those championship games without him? No. Um, they would have lost to the Bears both times. Well, I'll, I'll say this. In 47, they might have had a chance, but he had done so much during the regular season in 47 that uh, I'm not sure they would have beaten the Bears in 47. But like I say, that 1948 Chicago Bear team, when I watched them on film, and you study the stats, if you look it up sometime, I, they were they were a tremendous team. I mean, they're 10-1, and one, and the Cardinals are 10-1 and one when they play on the last day of the season. How many times have we had that happen in history? And these are two teams in the same city, and they hate each other. That's right. You know, the Chicago Cardinals-Chicago Bears rivalry was a huge deal to the players and the fans. Exactly. Well, and of course, we're dividing Chicago, whether we're at Comiskey or Wrigley. So, and again, with the numbers I said earlier, that when you say the numbers of that 1948 Cardinal team, I mean, 213 yards a game rushing, and you still have a decent passing attack, and he scores 10 touchdowns? You know, now that you bring that up, the balance of that offense, a lot of people like to stereotype the early NFL as three yards in a cloud of dust. But the offenses like the Cardinals had, they were not like that. They were balanced offenses that were more modern. Well, it starts... Again, if, if, when you have a coaching background, when when I was coaching and I'm scouting an, uh, an upcoming opponent, the first thing I would look at is the line splits. Now, back in the single wing days, they're foot to foot. I mean, you're just shoving forward. It's more like a rugby scrum. When you look at footage of the Cardinals in '48, they've got they're in the T. It's a quick hitting offense. Conselman knows he's got he's the defending champions. These guys are confident. They're good. He's got good linemen, and they've got decent line splits. And Elmer Angsman, the right halfback, was really fast. They would do quick hitters with him. He'd pop right in through the hole. He'd be loose in the secondary. And their fullback, Pat Harder. Oh my gosh. Talk about a tough guy. If it wasn't for his bad knees, he'd have probably been all pro all the time. He could block, he could catch, and he ran really well inside. And then you have Trippy, and they've got two excellent ends in Kuttner and Duel. So they are loaded. And of course, Kozman's way, and with Kristen throwing the ball, they spread it out. But still, the linchpin of the offense is going to be trippy. When in doubt, we got to get the ball to Charlie. He was the pinwheel that made that offense yeah. go. Let's talk a little bit more about that Cardinals offense because you brought up their receivers a couple of times. Is it fair to say there are some elements of you know the kind of passing games that we might have seen in the 80s um, when they started to open things up and get balls out to the running backs on throws as well as, as to receivers? Yes. Um, Billy Duell is, I'm going to say he's about six foot four. And I, I wouldn't call him super fast, but the guy ran good routes and with his height, he would run the intermediate routes. And Kuttner, everything I've read about him, 
And, of course, he had a short career because of injury. I guess when he was in Texas, he had blazing speed. The best comparison for somebody you might know better is he was like Del Schaffner. Ah, okay. He had these long strides, and I know he averaged over 20 yards a catch a couple of times. So when you've got a deep threat, and, of course, it's a three-man secondary unless they're playing Philadelphia, they're going to back off and it's man. Well, if it's man, then you've got a linebacker that's going to be assigned. So why wouldn't you send Charlie Trippy on a swing route out of the backfield up the sideline and throw to him? And then if the linebacker overcommits, then Charlie Trippy runs a circle route over the middle and makes the catch. So yes, the Cardinal pass offense, while I won't say it's revolutionary, it's not quite on the same level as the Rams or the Browns. It's pretty close. And you're just not going to win that amount of games in three years unless you have an offense that's balanced. That's where you and I are headed in this conversation. The teams that have a balanced offense are the teams that are going to win. Yeah, and the Philadelphia Eagles certainly had that balanced offense as well. And that, you know, they're known for their defense, you know, having the back-to-back shutouts and championship games. But really, that, that offense was dynamic. Well, an aspect to them, and of course it would be a great conversation later on, when I watched the footage, P.P. Hose was absolutely ahead of his time in what they asked him to do. We're going to run Van Buren, we're going to run Pritchard, we're going to do what we do, but if we need to throw, hey, we're in the T, we can throw, we've got men to throw too. Yeah, and those, those Eagles were loaded. You know, getting back to the Cardinals, and something I remember uh, you telling me about Charlie Trippy earlier was you've seen games where he was lining up at, at multiple positions on the same drive. Can you kind of give us an right. example of that? Yeah, well, I had alluded to that earlier. Yeah, one play he could be the left half and go in motion and actually go all the way to the right and run a route up the sideline. The next play, he's carrying the ball on a cross buck or a counter play. And then the next play, they give the ball to the fullback, and he, and he blocks. And then they line up in slot, and as they get a first down, they line up in slot left, and he's the slot back to the left. So in four plays, he's been assigned or as aligned four different ways. And he's not the only guy who does this, but he sure is a, one of the most adept at doing all of these. That's just incredible to hear about. Well, Coach CJ, is there anything else you think is important to share about Cardinals in that time, and, and especially Charlie Trippy? Well, uh, again, you um, your astute questions, Michael, and I, as I look it up here, Cutner in '47 when they won the championship had 43 catches for 944 yards, 22 yards a catch, 944 yards in 12 games. Right. That's that's. And, Astounding. And, still, and they would be considered a running team. And then 1948, again, they threw 285 times in 1948, and they ran the ball 531 times. I mean, you can't average 213 yards a game rushing unless you're just running the ball. And, of course, it's balanced. Angsman, Trippy, and Harder are, are going to get the bulk, and then you've got your backups. But... Paul Christman had a backup. He didn't play as many games in 48. They had a guy named Ray Maloof. He really threw the ball well that year. So you look at the receiving core. 
And Duell has, he, he does his usual, 33 catches, 442 yards, the intermediate routes. Here's Cutner again. 41 catches, 943 yards, and 14 touchdowns in a 12-game season. Amazing. Yeah, so the offense, Konzelman, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. But you talk about the quality coaches in that era as we're getting to go into the 50s. They always want to talk about Paul Brown, and then they always want to talk about the Rams staff. And yes, they were excellent coaches. But Jimmy Konzelman, he knew what he was doing, and he goes, okay. And he did this in 47 and 48. And we're talking about the Browns and the Rams, basically, when the Browns joined the NFL in the early 50s. So he was, in essence, I don't know if they borrowed any plays from him, but it was the same idea. Decent line splits. We're going to have a balanced attack where the fullback is going to run traps and draws and block. I mean, Pat Harder's not Marion Motley, but he sure could hold his own. And then you've got, instead of Dub Jones, you've got Charlie Trippy. They were talented, and they've got, everybody talks about Lovelli and Speedy, and they were tremendous receivers. Okay, how about Duell and Kuttner? They just didn't have long careers. And again, any media attention is going to be focused on the Chicago Bears. How much on the Cardinals? But for those two years, 47 and 48, and then, of course, they, they still played good football in 49. But as I mentioned earlier, with each passing year into the 50s, I mean, I'll look at linemen on there and I'm going, wow, how long? Was, I don't remember this guy. And then I'll look. He was there one year or two years. It was just a revolving door in Chicago. So for Trippy, six different coaches and a, shall we say, a Noah's Ark vast array of teammates during his time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible what Charlie Trippy was able to accomplish and the type of athlete and person that he was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. Be sure to look for Coach TJ Troop's books on Amazon.com, including The Birth of Football's Modern 4-3 Defense. I'll tell you what, it'd be a great double order to order that and the book The Game Before the Money, Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL. Be a great package to order together. Be sure to visit thegamebeforethemoney.com. Transcriptions of some podcasts are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonics, spelled S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more about their transcription services. 